Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Hello, I'm Harley Thomas with Blind Living Radio, and I'm joined with my co-host, Danielle Crapo. Hi, Danielle. What's up, Harley? Well, you know, we talk about all sorts of interesting topics about blind living on the show, don't we? Yep, and I think we have defined our roles a little more, so I definitely give the blind perspective because I am legally blind. And you give the sighted perspective because you're, you're the sighted dude. You're the, the guy that drives. Literally. The guy that drives. Yeah. When we have to go somewhere or get lunch, I get to drive. Pretty much. You order it, I drive it. That's the deal. What is it? Like, I buy, you fly or something like That's that? That's exactly what it goes. Yeah. I'm buying, you're flying. That's right. That works really well for us unless I say you're flying. In which case, we're going to the lunchroom. Or you're going to get a cab. Or, or yeah, or cab. Either way, because you can do anything. Do you know that some of the shared ride services now do, like, drive-thrus? You can, they'll drive you through a restaurant if you want them to. That's cool. It's convenient. That is convenient. And high calories. You know, but do restaurants all have Braille menus, Danielle? Nope, they because do not. Because you remember what today's topic is. Yes. Since, since we're done with Thanksgiving, so we're going to get out of this Thanksgiving food coma that we're in. We're all out of leftovers, so now we have to go find places with Braille menus. And ex-girlfriend corn casserole. <laughs> oh, that's right. Was it good? It was awesome. Awesome. As usual. <laughs> and today, via phone, we're going to be joined by Jennifer Dunham who is with the Braille Authority of North America. Yeah, she's actually on their Unified English Braille Code Task Force. And so for those who don't know what Unified English Braille is, uh, Jennifer's going to let us know what that's all about. And it's a simplification of the difference between English Braille or Literary Braille and Computer Braille, from what I understand. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her perspective on it. Why don't we get her on the phone right now, Danielle? Let's do it. All right. I'm Danielle Crapo with Blind Living Radio, and I am joined today by Miss Jennifer Dunham. Hi, Jennifer. Hello there. And Harley, we cannot forget Harley is in the studio, too. Hey, Harley. Hello, Danielle. Thanks for not forgetting me. <laughs> I could never. I'm excited to talk to Jennifer today. So our topic today is the um, migration to the Unified English Braille Code, um, and you are with the Braille Authority of North America? That's correct. Um, I have served as the secretary for the Braille Authority of North America, which we call BANA, probably for seven or eight years off and on. Great. And I've, I'm also a member of the Unified English Braille Task Force that BANA has put together to kind of lead the movement and the implementation toward UEB. So we at Blind Living Radio and at Industries for the Blind are definitely champions of Braille literacy. You know, we love it. We Some of us volunteer at Braille games for the younger kids in school. So it's just a very important part of our mission. So I wanted to talk with you because this moving to unified English Braille is a pretty big deal, isn't it? In some ways, yes. I would say it's, it, it affects Everyone that has an interest and a use for Braille, in some, so in that way it is a big deal, but in some ways it's less of a big deal than some might think because it's not that we're adopting a new code. We're making some updates to the Braille that exists. So can you tell us, first of all, what Unified English Braille is and how it's different from grades one and two? Sure. Unified English Braille is heavily based on the current literary Braille that we use today. And actually, the equivalent vernacular or initials of the current Braille that we use today is EBAE. So if you talk about UEB, 
then EBAE is the equivalent of that for Braille today. And um, Unified English Braille is based on it, and there are going to be some changes in some of the contractions and some of the usage. Uh, the numbers that we use in literary Braille are going to stay the same. The letters are going to stay the same. Some of the punctuation will be different, but most of it will be the same. And we can talk in more detail if you'd like. But it's it is there are base it's it's some changes, but it is continues to be based on the Braille that we know today. What's the Jennifer? What's the primary advantage to updating and standardizing the Braille for the the I guess cotton user of Braille? I'm glad you asked that because I think it's a, an important thing for people to understand. This isn't just something someone thought up and we're all having to deal with. It's It has to do with the way that both print and Braille have evolved over the years. I mean, when we think about in the the 80s or so, we were just starting to, people were just beginning to use computers and we really didn't have very much in the way of refreshable Braille displays. Mostly, if you were doing Braille, you were doing it on paper. Uh, fasting, fast forwarding to now, when we think about how we're using mobile devices and computers and much of our information is communicated and accessed digitally, we need to make sure that Braille can can move along with it and the Braille doesn't stay off by itself as some separate thing that we do just on paper. As an example of one of the reasons why it's it's important, I was helping someone a few months ago with her Braille display and she said, how do I write my email address on my Braille display? And I was silent for a minute because I realized I would have to ask her about six different questions in order to be able to answer her question, like what kind of Braille display was it, what context was she writing it in. What UEB is going to do is going to standardize some of those things. We have Right now we have a computer Braille code for email addresses. UEB is going to integrate all that so the codes aren't different. That's going to be helpful with streamlining things because I know there's sometimes when you're right, you have to ask the context, okay, are you writing it in a letter? Or are you writing it in an email? Are you writing it for a computer Braille reader? Are you writing it for a literary Braille reader? So that's, that's great that UEB is going to take a lot of the go-around away from it. And it sounds like the advantage of standardizing is we'll be able to use technology consistently and write some uniform code to actually interact with Braille. You're right. One of the big issues with the current codes that are being used has to do with backward translation. And that is, if you type something sure. in Braille into a device and want it to come out in print, because there are certain ambig ambiguities within the code, you can't be sure that it's going to come out in print reliably. And you want to have that certainty. If you're going to rely on Braille, and it's going to be our primary medium, we need to be able to have that backward and forward movement. That would have been very much useful for me in college, because I remember typing papers on my Braille note and having my professor say, this formatting is off completely. So is UEB going to help with the formatting as well? People will still need to know how to make sure their documents look correct when you're working on a Braille note or something like that. The UEB has more to do with the symbols and the code. And so issues like making sure it's centered and making sure that your indenting is working correctly, you're still going to need to be really aware of those kind of things. But if you want something to be bolded or underlined or if you want to, to have a superscript or something like that, you're going to be able to do that more easily in UEB. 
sounds like it'll be make everyone more efficient and it's sort of a nice blend of braille that a lot of people think is paper and a stylus and technology kind of will help bring them together for the future. Absolutely. It will integrate Braille in the way that it it needs to be integrated for it to move forward. Danielle, this is probably a good time to take a quick break. Yeah, we'll be right back with Jennifer Dunham on Blind Living Radio. Direct from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Blind Living Radio from Industries for the Blind. Are you blind or visually impaired? Are you seeking a job? Well, Industries for the Blind is dedicated to hiring people just like you. Just go to IBMILW.com slash careers and find out how you can become part of our wonderful team of blind and visually impaired professionals. That's IBMILW.com slash careers. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. My name is Danielle Crapo. In the studio with me is Harley Thomas. Hey, Harley. Hello, Danielle. And we are joined today with Jennifer. Hi there. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about, you know, how UEB came about and some of the benefits of it. And one of the things that you hit on was technology and UEB. So I have, I was wondering if when someone is wanting to transition to UEB, are there tools out there that they need to buy? Are there classes that they're going to need to take to kind of get caught up with the UEB and learning it? It's a good question. There are several parts to the answer. Uh, Number one, if you are a person who has access to a refreshable Braille display or Braille translation software, we have a a kind of a tip sheet on the BANA website, and the BANA website is www.brailleauthority.org. And if you go under the UEB information section, there's a tip sheet that talks about all of the different translation programs and Braille display units and whether or not they're currently working with UEB and how well and how you go about switching those things, uh, switching them to UEB. I should back up a second and say that if a person is, you know, has been doing Braille for a long time and they really just want to take their own notes, there's no Braille police that are going to come and get you if you use the Braille that you're used to using for your own personal use. But you do need to know that if you've got your Braille display or your tools switched to UEB, then if you, for example, if you type the word middle and you type a DD contraction while you're in UEB, it's going to come out as a period because there's no more DD contraction in UEB. So that that kind of information is on the website. There are a couple of other instructional materials that have been coming out. This is Benna, we talk about this year, 2014, as our infrastructure year. We've been building the infrastructure. We've been creating the training materials. And when I say we, I mean all kinds of people all over the country have been working to do it. One organization has created the McDuffie Reader, which is a Braille primer for adults. Another group has created a UEB book that is designed for teachers who are going to college who are learning to be teachers of blind students. There are some overview documents on various websites. There there are a lot of things out there. I think as an adult Braille reader who's who's used to reading Braille, I would say that probably a class is would be not necessary because the changes are such that if you can get hold of some symbols lists Many of the books that you're going to see are going to have special symbols pages that will show you some of the new things, and it's really just a matter of picking things up and reading them, and, and it will it will become clear. Well, that that's good to know that 
it's going to be easy to transition to because I like reading Braille leisurely, but I also like using it professionally. So it'd be good, it's good to know that it's not going to be a whole new experience as far as learning from the ground up. It's not scary. That's right. <laughs> it's it's anything but scary. It will actually end up being easier for everyone involved all the way across the board. That's right. What is the likelihood of adoption of the of the new Braille? Does the group think that this will be heavily adopted? Well, I can tell you that the Braille Authority of North America, which is made up of 17 organizations, most of which are national in the U.S., some of which are, are in Canada. BANA is a an international organization. BANA voted to adopt Unified English Braille in 2012. And BANA is made up of Braille reader organizations, of transcriber and producers, of educators. And so everyone's been working together to make this a reality. And so we're very well on the way toward implementation the official date, if you will, is January of 2016 for implementation of UEB. Of course, that's not going to be like a that day a, a switch gets flipped and everything's in UEB, but that's the date at which the transcribers will mostly know how to do it. NLS will be starting to produce their new books in UEB. The majority of the, the Braille that will be done going forward will be in UEB. So it's it is definitely very well along the way. So you mentioned that one of the symbols that's going away is going to be the drop D or the double D sign. Um, can you tell me a couple of other contractions? I'm just nosy. <laughs> no, that's great. No, that's great. I, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, there are Currently there are 189 contractions in Braille, and 180 of those are going to stay the same. There are nine contractions that are going to be eliminated for various reasons to basically to get rid of ambiguities in Braille. Uh, for example, the the two contraction we are using currently, we're using a dropped F or dots two, three, five, and that's right up against the word that comes after it. So that contraction is going to be uh, eliminated. So the word two will be just written T-O space. So the spacing will be the same as in print. There are other things like that. The, the spacing will will be this will change. For example, right now the words of and the are written with no space between them, and that's a very peculiar thing to Braille. That's going to go away. You're going to space between the words of and the. So we are just going to be learning the same thing that our sighted print reading counterparts are learning. Is that you know these words are spaced. We don't have to learn this special Braille rule. The reason that we used to have that was because space saving was important because we were doing Braille all on paper and the paper was expensive and people had more time. So now we really want to be following print and keeping it as simple as possible. Let's see, other contractions. The A-T-I-O-N contraction will go away, but we'll still have the T-I-O-N contraction. There are a couple of other things like that. Let's see, the parentheses will change. The parentheses, opening parentheses and closing ones will be different, just like they are, they are in print. They kind of have a similar shape. The opening parentheses is like a .5GH, and the closing parentheses is like a .5AR. Okay, so it's mimicking print more is, is what's going to happen with it. Right. Well, I look forward to looking at the UEB, and I thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Happy to happy to talk with you. Jennifer, one more question. What's the website, again, where people can get more information about BANA? There is much more information at www.brailleauthority.org. Thanks for listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. 
You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com. Well, that was a really great call with Jennifer Dunham. Wouldn't you say so, Harley? It was great. I like learning a little bit more about Braille. And how it's interacting more and fitting in more with technology. Yes, and I, I may have to learn a new language. You should. You should totally. And then we could write secret notes. That would be neat because a lot of people wouldn't know what we're saying. So pretty much you would just be like, get to work. And I could I could pass you a note and say, if you're buying, I'm flying, let's go shopping. <laughs> that it's that time good. of the year. Hey, do you have your keys on you, by the way? We could get a jump on that shopping. I do have my keys on. What time <laughs> of the day is it? Oh, we could go shopping now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do that. Let's go shopping. Okay, let's go shopping. Everybody, thanks for joining us this week. Next week, tune in to find out about Little Dog Big City. That's right. You're only going to hear about that here on Blind Living Radio. I hope everybody has a good week. I'm Harley Thomas. I'm Danielle Crapo, and you're listening to Blind Living Radio. Blind Living Radio is proud to be supported by Industries for the Blind in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. To learn more about Industries for the Blind, go to IBMILW.com and find out how you can directly help support the blind community.